0: That was today's rendition of Taps in Remembrance of the last 49 fucking minutes of my life, gone. An awesome truck cast, gone due to a stupid phone glitch. Fucking gone. Welcome back to the first truck cast in the new just and send it mobile command center. Coming in hot. 2022 Dodge Ram Rebel, custom built to my specifications. And it's a lot better than my fucking Ford I had. I'm done, done with Ford. Fucking done. Um, no mods other than the Mustang, but no more Fords for me. Not until they change that fucking transmission and just start putting the shit together with fucking bubble gum and and rubber bands, because that's what seems like my 2017 F-150 was put together with. Anyway, got some stuff I want to talk about today. Um big announcement or whatever the main meat and potatoes of what the podcast this truck cast was supposed to be about it will come later in the in the in recording but first a couple things i want to talk about one these two things kind of tie together and i did this so beautifully and eloquent in the first recording of this bitch that I got to redo. It ain't going to be no recreating. It's just going to be now an abbreviated version of what you may like. I don't know. But either way. So, last episode was with Ted Hager. Uh, he came to town. We shot the Frontline Fury together. So we'll give a little small recap of that. Um, let's see. Yours truly shot fucking awesome. Fucking killed it. Not really um <laughs> uh day one uh everybody was hating life day one so the weather was perfect as far as like temperature it was overcast it wasn't sunny it wasn't in your face and it was not cold cold it was a little chilly but not bad um but the wind was pretty crazy not mile per hour uh, what me and ted discussed what i told him what he could expect uh old warrenton north carolina did not disappoint the wind was pretty, uh, I don't even know what you wanna call it. I mean, it's literally three-tenths to center impact, three-tenths to center, you missed a mill off, what? Uh, now you hold left side, now you hold right side, now you hold straight up, and this is all one stage, right? It's It's crazy. It was a, I guess a prevailing tailwind if I recall. Uh, then would switch completely to nine o'clock, then right back around to like four thirty, then to three, then back to seven, back to six o'clock. It was crazy, and not to mention, Paul decided he wanted to use aspirins as targets uh, for Saturday. Anybody you heard talk about uh, at the range on Saturday? You heard? I mean, you would just just walk through the the different squads, you'd hear. Like, holy fuck these targets are tiny. Or anytime I'd see somebody, they'd be like, damn, Dave, like this is fucking this sucks. This is hard. Like, yeah, it was, it was very hard. Uh, but you know, you know, typically you'll have a match that maybe one or two stages has some pretty significantly small targets. This was, at least day one, was a couple of stages that were pretty significantly maybe generous would be the word. The rest of them were tiny. Now, I don't say unfair, because if everyone had to shoot them, then it's fair. If not everybody had to shoot them, then that ain't fair, but everyone had to shoot them, so that's fair. They were just, there was multiple, multiple sub MOA plates. Um, And it was like, holy shit, I can see the post, I can't see the target, because the target was so little um, you know that kind of stuff, and it, it was a very, it was a very tough day, day one for everybody. I dug a pretty damn deep hole. Um, the rule of holes, stop digging, right? So, um, but I dug a pretty good one. Uh, day two, uh, shot. Every, I think everyone shot better day two, and in the, the conditions were shittier. The conditions were uh, l- less wind, uh, but definitely raining all day and and cold so i think close to the same temperatures but just cold or just just rainy like wet so that makes you feel colder right but i honestly i was i was kind of taking layers off i was getting kind of hot uh don't know why but i was getting kind of hot it, it wasn't bad it, it was definitely okay it wasn't as bad as everyone thought it was going to be Um, And the cool thing is at frontline, Paul's done a really kick-ass job of now, when you go to frontline defense, no matter the stage you're on, you have shelter to stand under when you're not shooting. Now, there's only a couple, which would be like platforms that you're shooting prone off of, that you're sheltered as you're shooting. Um, So, uh, but when you're not, when you're, you know, behind glass, there's at least one uh, awning, or if you will, these are stationary, permanent, you know, shelters to where you know, not gonna blow away or a tent blow away or something like that or leak in or whatever. No, these are he has put a lot of money into the uh, competition side of this of his, of his range, and it's shit weather is less shitty to shoot. And not to mention, majority of the stuff you're gonna be shooting in is gonna be rocks like gravel rocks um, or decking. So he, a lot of the stuff he's had decking, uh, like a big decking platform with props on it, stuff like that. So yeah, you're laying on wet decking boards, but it's better than mud. Um, so that's that's cool. Um, there was only one stage where it got muddy, uh, which wasn't a big deal. Um, let's see, uh, Ted shot exponentially better on day two. He definitely picked up, I think he picked up like 17 spots from day one. He did, I, Day two, he was he was feeling it. So Ted, uh, hats hats off to you. The big, the big takeaway, the big congratulations goes to my main man Jeff Tripp, Captain Jeff, whom you've heard on the podcast and heard about on the podcast many times. Uh, him and CL, we're like, we're three shoot partners, whatever. We shoot all the matches together. Uh, Jeff took it to the fucking house in one tack class. I want to say this. I told this to him in a minute, and I'm going to tell this to all of you so that maybe it puts more pressure on him to listen to me. He needs to forget shooting Dasher. Like, he ran that 223 better than I have ever seen him shoot a Dasher. I I mean, he, he did better overall. He won tack, but he did better overall in a very very stacked field of shooter shooters i mean very stacked field of shooters and i think jeff i forgot where he placed but he placed better than what he may would normally would have shooting his dasher as that's an easy way to say it but one tack class shooting 75 grain ELDMs. Basically kinda of like everybody else and shooting 223 in TAC class. You're either shooting 308 or you're shooting the seventy-three 75 grain EMs. That's kind of the the um, stereotypical TAC class shooter. And I'm telling you, he was fucking feeling it. He was he was seeing everything. He shot faster than I've ever seen him shoot. Like with accuracy, like in in killing it like talking in between positions. I'm talking uh shot to shot, it was shooting faster. It was like, sound like a semi-auto, boom, boom. Now he's running a bolt gun and he's, I'm telling you, that's the best I've ever seen him shoot. And I told him, I said, hey, s- sell me all your six mil bullets, sell your dies, sell your brass. You need to shoot nothing but TAC class, this 223. Fuck shooting 308. You you are not going to shoot 308. I don't care what bullet you're going to run. You're not going to shoot 308 as good as you just shot that that 223. Now mind you, this wasn't 25 mile an hour wind stuff. But considering we are in the southeast, we don't have much of those 20. We do have those days. They happen. I mean, they were that way. We were shooting 28 mile an hour wind up at Pig River the weekend before. in one day, he shot the same. He shot his 223. Still shot well. Just didn't shoot quite as good. I mean, look. I, 28 miles an hour with a 75 grain 223 is it's not a good combination but considering the majority of his, his matches or the matches that we shoot here is not that kind of uh, condition the 223 is going to be exponentially more uh, what's the word conducive to to shooting well in TAC class than a 308 is a heavier recoil in 308 um, and he's got a 308 that he's that he's playing. He built a three, uh, got a 308 barrel and made a load with some what 175 grain RDFs or whatever. He um, and it'll probably shoot great, and I'm sure he'll shoot well with it. But that 223 and that and him and that 223 ran like a fucking scalded dog. And it was it was it was I guess your ability to see everything through recoil now no there wasn't a whole lot of target signature on there but you know even there there was no contested uh misses or hits all day with any of the guys shooting 223 in our squad it's even Jeff there was never like hey I think I hit that and the RO no no well, he was the RO, but obviously not when he was shooting. It would be one of us. We we saw everything. He didn't think that he hit something that we didn't call. Um, he Everything was legit, and it worked out well. Um, and a lot of small targets in some tricky-ass wind. And I think the, the tricky wind is typical, not the high gusts, right? And he shot it well, like super well. It kicked my ass. And I was shooting 25 Creedmoor. Um, and, uh, it, I was just so proud of him for, for winning that class in that field of shooters. And not only that, just placing overall where, it, you know, in the overall field where he placed with a 223, then amazing. Um, so hats off to Jeffrey. Um, but speaking of the 223, I now have in my possession a 223 bolt for the Axe International. Uh, that and a mag, and I'm be getting a barrel soon for it. Um, I I bought this before that match simply because I want the ability to take you know my buku's of 223 plinking rounds like the 55 grain Fiocchi or American Eagle bullshit and shoot it at 100. Shoot positional at 100. You know maybe 200 play around a distance with it and some wind or whatever. I had no intentions of ever running it in a match, but it Jeff had fun and I've never shot tack before. Um, and Jeff looked like he had a whole lot of fun, uh, shooting a 223. So I'm not saying I'm going, you know, tack class from here on out. No, I'm gonna still shoot a lot of mostly open, but. I think it will be fun to to have a bunch of us shooting two twenty threes and everything a bunch because uh, for some reason I don't know what it is the year twenty twenty two is for some reason the year of the tac class I feel like everybody that I know is now going to tac to either shoot a three oh eight or a two twenty three I don't know what it is everybody I mean out of all the guys that we shoot with literally seventy five percent of them are now shooting tac class I don't know what the meaning or reasoning behind it is but that's what it is but it will be really cool shooting 223 out of the ai um i'm really excited about it uh the enrique down in texas uh kind of started that whole venture off with taking 223 or taking ai bolt heads and and basically filing them down and machining them uh to, to run 223s, then he had to play with magazines. So now he's got a couple different magazines that you can choose from that he can mod for you, or now he's passing it over to Greg from Bug Holes, uh, Greg Young from uh, Bug Holes. Because I think it just became a, a work thing. Like, Greg probably is a little more equipped to do it at scale more than Enrique is, but Enrique really honed it in, and then uh, Greg has given him some input, doing some reiteration, uh, reiterations of the bolt heads um, and I, I want to go on record and say thank you to those two guys for doing this and allowing us as an AI community to be able to play with the 223 stuff and, and, and also the uh, the magnum stuff like short action magnums for PRCs and SOMs and stuff like that in your short action uh, action national. Um, uh, Frank just got his, uh, he's got a, uh, a 6.8 bolt head for, to run Valkyrie. Um, I know he's super boosted about that. Excited about getting that done. And, uh, so either way, we're all have more options now because of the aftermarket. Um, we'll get into further about that in a little bit, but something that ties into the wind situation at, uh, like the, like at frontline or a lot of places we talk about, you've heard me talk about shooting them. if you haven't listened to it, you need to, but uh, Phil and Kalen's latest episode with Chris Way. And if you don't know who Chris Way is, you'll fi- you'll figure it out. Chris is a, a very interesting guy. Um, I'm not going to go through his whole backstory. There's plenty of... He has his own podcast called the Straight Dope Podcast on... I believe it's on Spotify. Um, I don't know if it's on Podbean or not. I know it's on Spotify, but I, I really enjoy listening to it. It's one subject... Then gone into great detail on that subject for whatever the, the episode's about. Um, and uh, he has a very cool way of looking at things and breaking and asking the right questions. Well, you know, he has what's called the Rifle Craft with a K C or K K R A F T, um, brain fart. He, uh, the, the craft, what the craft challenge is, he basically has formulated a target. It's a diamond target as one MOA for 100 yards, it's one inch, right? Uh, then it has a subsequent diamond going on the outside, two MOA, three MOA, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever, till it takes up the whole, like, print, regular printer size paper, uh, sheet of paper of uh, triangles, right? And so then it's, got, then it's marked what what size that is. So what you do is, it, what, what this, the rifle craft challenge is, is you put that target up at 100 yards. You have to build and break one shot off from the standing, build, shoot, break from the kneeling, build, shoot, break from the sitting, build, shoot, break from the prone. One shot each, but you do that whole thing three times. Don't shoot three shots each and call it good. No, break the position for the one shot, or build the position for the one shot and break it and move on to the next position. Do that three times. There's no time constraint. It's literally just do it. And uh, don't spend 10 minutes to shoot You know, four rounds, but don't rush. There's no timer, okay? That's not the purpose of it. But what that does is show you that you can, you as a shooter, you individually can trend, given the position that you're in, you can trend in a certain area on or around a target. Example of that, let's say I did it, I haven't done it yet, I've got all the targets printed out, I've just been doing nothing but some load development with some new powders and stuff like that, so that's really all of my shooting lately since Since the match was, uh, the last match has been at 100 yards on my belly dialing in loads. But what you do, let's say I was doing this. So my first position is standing. I shoot and then I look and like, well, I'm at 100 yards. This is, let's say, my sixth Asher. There's no real win for that. But why did I break that shot and it is now in the three MOA triangle instead of in the little one MOA? Uh, not triangle, diamond. I may say triangle in this, but I mean diamond, but it's in the shape of a diamond. So, and then go to the uh, kneeling, and then it may be just inside of that, closer towards the one, but inside of the three. And then I go seated, and then maybe it's then touching inside the one, like in the edge, and then I go prone, and it's dead center, right? I'm seeing myself, the higher I go up off the ground, I'm trend, maybe maybe I trend more left, right. Well, that's something that I need to work on. That now there's there's certain things that you do if you trend either left or you trend right or you trend high or you trend low. There are certain things that you can do to help mitigate those things specifically for the direction of which you uh, air to. Um, me personally, I know where I where I trend because I, I see it. I know it when I break the shot is low. I, let's say it's a straight up hold, it's 400 yards, there's no wind at all, and I'm shooting a target at 400. If I miss, it's going to be low, I can almost promise you. And I will know this 400 or further, I know that I missed it before the bullet makes it to the target. How long? What's the time of flight for 400 yards for a 105 burger uh, going 2915? I don't know, but it's fucking fast as shit. But I know before the bullet gets there that I that I missed that shot low. That's something that I need to work on. And there are certain things that I can do to help keep that reticle up higher, okay? So, but let's just say that I trended left, okay? But this, this is all a big hypothetical here. Let's say I typically trend left. How do I, if I'm in a match, how do I make an adjustment? How do I, make a correction, let's say I think it's a wind call. He posed this question to to Phil and Kalen How and I'm paraphrasing it and he he phrased it in, in, in much better than, than I will. But how do you make a correction when you didn't you don't know exactly where you put that shot? Meaning, yeah, you saw where the bullet went. Like you saw a hit off the left side. But how do you correct for wind if it wasn't wind that did it? right? Because you may break shots that feel 100% clean. Like, man, I feel like I broke it dead center of the plate. But in actuality, you didn't, right? How do you then make a correction from that? Well, the old, you know, adage was always, don't hold the same thing for two shots a row if your first one missed, right? Like, why would you, it's like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome, right? Well, in shooting, yeah, if I'm prone and I know I broke a completely perfect trigger pull, and then I see it blow off the right side, obviously, go further left, right? That's the correction. But what if you're not prone, and what if you did not? Now, example, I shoot, it goes off the right side of the plate. Hmm, I need to hold more wind left. I'm gonna hold left. The next very, very shot, excuse me, the very next shot, you break the shot, and it dumps off the left side. Well, what is what what is the the natural reaction or thought process that goes through everyone's mind? Oh, well, the wind must have died, or the wind switched on me. Right, those things do happen. Believe me, I see it in real time. I see it on glass to where I see a dude hit on the uh, hit hit the plate. Dust goes dead left, and then maybe he saw something that that maybe you know you hope you would have seen it. He shoots again, hits the plate, and then the dust goes dead right. Well, something is making that dust go those two directions. That's a wind change, right? So those things do happen, depending on where you are in the country, They may happen that drastic more often than not. But that's not always the problem. So maybe I, David, maybe I am breaking the shots off of one side when I don't, that I, you know, unbeknownst to me, and then I go to correct for it, and then, well, that time I broke it right, I broke it like it's supposed to be, and then I dumped it off the other side of the plate. Right, That happens. Well, how do you mitigate that? Well, glad you asked. Chris Way's Riflecraft Challenge will help you diagnose that. Now, the more times you do it and then you fix fix the things that are causing those maybe you are trending left, the more you know, time that you practice to where, okay, I've been you know, shooting this rifle craft challenge thing, uh, you know, for a couple months at hundred yards, been really, really working on it and man, it's gone from a three MOA 12 shot group down to a one MOA 12 shot group. Okay, well, you're doing pretty good. You have, uh, you know, you'd be surprised at some of the level of shooters that you may know, like they're really good shooters and they shoot, they, they score very well, they, they place well if that them doing this challenge of how little their groups really aren't like th- it's easier to shoot a big group than you may think at 100 yards doing it this way right this isn't belly shooting so you know if we were bench rest shooters which i know we always play and make fun of yo know, now it's tactic PR- prs is tactical bench rest, and it, it is to a certain degree and i agree and that's it's it's laughable but at the end of the day being literal it's not because in bench rest you have or even f-class you have a lot different rests than what we deal with so that's why in bench rest how that's like the absolute worst place to learn how to shoot fundamentals is watching a fucking bench rest match because there there is none the the rifle is locked in they're using, I don't know if it's uh, hydraulic or, or what, whatever. I don't know shit about fuck when it comes to bench rest equipment. The big, big fucking rest that has like the little jack handle underneath that you raise it up or lower it or whatever. We don't have that. So we have a lot more influence on that rifle than bench rest and, and F class do. So that's why they can get away with a lot more shitty uh, fundamentals and, and you know, pulls of the trigger than we can. Now, the heavier rifles we get, the more bags we get, the closer we are going that direction, but we're still not there yet. So we will have a greater tendency to influence a rifle in a uh, repeatable fashion to our benefit or to our detriment. It, it's really going to be on us and our our training and, and, and how well we shoot, right? So going forward, maybe... If you feel like you, it's even fucking possible that you did not break that trigger where you thought that you broke it, maybe it's not a bad idea to throw the same wind call down there. Shoot another one with the same wind call and see what it does. Because I know me, what I have done, I have done this not for this reason. I mean, so I'm not gonna take, give myself credit where it ain't due, but I have failed at times to believe the bullet to where I was like, man, I feel that's a good fucking wind call. I, I saw it go off the left, but like, I don't fucking believe it. Right. <laughs> as dumb as that sounds, I've done that and and shot the same wind call. Like, would it be, let's say it was six tenths to center. Boom. It goes off the side. Mm, I don't like that. I don't believe that. I'm going to throw it again. Boom. So, th- th- throws six tenths to center back down at the target and got a hit. Now, was that a, well, the wind died or picked up on the first one, but it picked up where it was supposed to be, where my initial wind call was for the second shot? Probably not. I would, I would venture to say that it was more than likely a, an errant shot on the, for the first one, and then the second one was actually a well-executed shot, right? Um, because how many times have you seen your bullet dump off of both sides of the plate? with very i mean hell especially that that match particular with such little ass targets like there was that we had targets that were they're two tenths high and two tenths wide and if your dope was off or your wind call was off you were not hitting that fucking plate like your elevation was not dialed just perfectly or wasn't you know or you 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 left a click off on accident or your dope was just wrong, you're missing that target. That's just how little some of these plates were. And, I mean, which kind of made it fun. I mean, it's a little bit of a kick in the dick, but, it, you know, it's still cool. So it's fun to hit those little plates, right? It makes you feel good to hit them. Um, but, you know, targets like that are going to be more crucial to make sure not only that your dope is right, not only that your wind call is good, but that your fundamentals and that your trigger control and, and everything is, is up to snuff because there is no margin to absorb any of that error in some of these plates. So, uh, that's, um, that's the way it is. I think that's something that we all as shooters need to look at is more so, you know, upgrading that software instead of always looking to upgrade the hardware, you know, um, it's, Seeing your own trends, and this rifle craft challenge is a perfect uh, tool in doing that. I haven't done it yet, I've got them all printed out in my little box of targets beside my 100 yard berm. Um, I have all intentions of doing so, and I'm excited, and I'm gonna share my, my results as well. And what you do if you do this, you take either a picture of it or you scan it or whatever and you send it into the rifle craft email and he just, I mean, he doesn't put your name with it or not, but he's just logging data. Chris is a very uh, data driven person and he likes to, he'll have percentages of, of shooters that have submitted their targets of how many of them were this MOA and then also how many of them maybe trended high or how many trended right or low or whatever. And maybe their their standing positions were, were high, but when they went got lower, they went maybe left. You know, all, he's, he's recording all the fucking possible data points he can get out of this, and it's really cool. Um, he's not like posting it anywhere with anybody's name attached to it, so you can shoot a complete asshole group and uh, don't worry about it. There's, it's just going between you and him. You and him. He doesn't care. He just wants the data. Make an anonymous email makes you feel better. Um me I think it's really cool because the more we can know about ourselves and our own shooting habits the better we can fix those things and and identify those things to then okay I know that that was a perfectly you know placed shot I need to change my wind call that that's obvious wind especially when you've got indicators that maybe can also validate your decision of where okay I saw the the uh, the grass bent over a little bit more right when I pulled that shot where, you know, I, it showed indications of a um, wind speed pickup, right? That's even better. But something we just, you need to know where your baseline is. You know, I, I seriously doubt the majority of people when they shoot this challenge for the first time that they're all going to be in that MOA diamond. Like it's, that's it ain't possible that you're not going to. But I think if you take it seriously and do it right, you're gonna leave ego aside, man. It's like jujitsu, like leave your ego at the door because if you bring it in here, you're gonna get humbled. It's okay to get humbled. That's um, how you get better, right? I'm all about it. I'm talking on a podcast that's probably get is going to get downloaded thousands of times. Talk about my shortcomings. There is no ego. There's no room for this shit. There's there's room for confidence, but. Ego, keep it, get it out of here. There's, there's no. It helps nobody. Um, it definitely doesn't help you or makes you. It does not lend itself to help you grow as a shooter. So, that's just something that it made me think about when recording that. It was all impromptu. Uh, in recording the, this podcast earlier, uh, before it fucked up, I thought about the whole situation about Ted seeing that kind of wind stuff here, but also how this is a possibility as well. Now everybody was seeing the same thing. So it wasn't just one shooter, man, it's switchy on me. No, No, everyone, everyone's shit was blowing around everywhere. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just me or it wasn't just this guy or that guy. It was, everybody was feeling it on Saturday. Uh, but either way, um, what else do I want to get into? Um, oh, I'm getting, I'm jumping into the amp annealer pool. Like I'm, yeah, I'm doing it I'm finally taking the plunge I've resisted I've said I ain't spend that kind of money on an annealer I don't anneal a lot anyway But I've got a anneal ease And I'm just not a big fan of And it's not the anneal ease's fault It's just of the whole setup I'm, I'm lazy, you know You listen to this podcast This is not your first time listening to it You know I'm lazier than shit I want to hit a fucking button and be done Right, I don't like this whole setup, and then all of the oh my gas is out, or just I don't fucking know. Babysitting it, looking at it, whatever. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do an amp, and then I'm gonna get eventually get the uh, the amp auto feeder thing. I'm I'm going that route. I'm gonna do that. I'm lazy, but uh, I'm gonna have you know a lot of dasher brass, a lot of twenty five Creedmore brass. I'm gonna start loading some six cream more with some 115 D-Tacks to see how they play. I'm gonna play with it. It's not gonna be my primary caliber or whatever. It's just something to play with. Um, And then now, 223, uh, I'll be annealing all of this. So, um, I'm excited about it. They're expensive as shit, but it is what it is. Everything we do in this sport is expensive. Nothing's cheap. So, my time is more expensive to me and, you know, Possibilities of overcooking brass or not doing it enough, and all this shit. I'm I'm tired of the of the wondering and the opinions and speculations and all this stuff of around the voodoo annealing and what. The, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm fucking done. So just gonna bite the bullet, but and uh and get an amp annealer. But the biggest thing I wanted to cover today, the biggest thing is. Uh, today, Christian announced on Instagram. I think it was Instagram. I'm not on it, but Sam. I think Sam said it was on Instagram. He uh, released a picture of the Vision buttstock for the Accuracy Obsession uh, Vision chassis for your AI's. So now AI shooters have an option for a buttstock. Uh, if you remember the podcast that I recorded with Christian, Rick, and Sam, I was very much so a proponent for um, getting this buttstock done. And it was like, ah, well, we'll look at it. Ah, we're thinking about it. Well, they got it done. And I'm really excited about it. So there's, uh, there's five that exist Two are en route as we speak to the U.S. I don't know where they are. They might be over the ocean right now. And one is en route to North Kakalaki. So uh, once it gets to Florida, I will be sending my AI back down to Rick to do the grip panels and uh, the the pistol grip, the AR grip panels from Vision, and the buttstock, and then get its... Uh, Final Sarah coat job, what it's supposed to look like, and everything, and I'm really excited about it. So, let's forget the AI stuff right now. Let's just talk about the vision chassis system for like a Tica or a Remington 700, or they have a they have an inlet from us every action that you probably have. So that's good news, right? It's, there's options. To me, it's the it's one of if not the most intuitive design chassis front to back that's out there um obviously i'm a big fan from the magwell forward because it's very similar to what the one that my ai sits in which you all know i have been crowing about since the day one of getting my prototype a couple years ago was that 2019 or something like that well to me, the best thing is the adjustable bag rider. Now, it's funny. That's not funny. It's not I'm not gonna sit here and claim anybody stole anybody's idea because it's not like a original idea or anything, but Division Chassis was one of the first of the few that maybe had the quick adjustable bag rider height. It was one of the first ones to do it, right? But if you look, if you look at any of the footage or listen to anything from Shot Show 2020, you know, a lot of the big names. Uh, you know, chassis names out there this year released their new models of their chassis, and they they have adjustable bag riders on them. I think people are coming around to the um, the idea of how I won't say important they are, but how useful they are. For one example that I can speak of, I'll use a, a specific example. So the one day match uh, up in Virginia a few weeks ago, me and Jeff went and shot. We were shooting off the top of a Connex box. Now, our targets, the majority of our targets were like 800 out to like 1050 or something like that. But we had a target that was at like 230 or some shit. And it was a little gopher down there, like way down below us. Now, I was like, that's close enough. I'm not worried about missing it because, you know, I got my bipod height set for the, the longer range targets, right? Well, little did I know that I was going to miss that little bitty target because when I went to shoot that little target, yeah, I think it was like one shot. You get one shot at it, but I, there was a gap between my rear bag and the buttstock. So when you go down that low, that much of a decline, you've got to have the, the ass end of the rifle up higher than the front, obviously than the bipod. Well. What is the fix for all this? Well, you can do what a lot of people do, which is have their bipods really high and then use a big back, a big full-size game changer as your rear back. Well, if I'm a, if it's a prone-only stage, I like having my rear back, like it's a dedicated rear back. Um, I shoot better with that. There's not a lot of having manipulated a whole lot to get it going different heights or whatever, or all, all the sands moving to one side of the game changer. I need to turn it around or got a bunch of empty game changer bag there's with no fill it's a big void inside of it that I'm having to deal with some people they don't even have a rear bag they only use their game changers great I use my game changer rear bag when it's a stage that is positional and prone Um, I'm not taking both on the stage with me I'm gonna take just the game changer but when it's a prone only stage I want my rear bag. well what is the option for that to be able to have the ass end high enough to go up, but you have the uh, rear of the um, bipod low enough for the targets that are at like the horizon or up if you are at an incline. Because obviously the opposite is is true for incline shots, right? So, well, the, uh, the best option would be a quick user adjustable bag rider height. Well, that's exactly what you have with the Vision chassis. Um, you know, the the AX buttstock's are great buttstock. The ATX buttstock is a great buttstock. The ASR buttstock, they're all great. But this is, it's just a more modern, thought-out design. Um, you know, you saw MPA with the new Matrix. Theirs is really cool because it's like a push-button. It's like spring-loaded like a, a T back or um, or Harris bipod legs. You hit a button, boom, they go flying out. Right, that's cool. That works. Um, the the KRG with this the, the new C four, uh, it has an adjustable bag rider. Uh, it, it functions very similar to how uh, the the Vision's uh, buttstock is, and I feel like maybe the I'm trying to remember who else had an adjustable buttstock that came uh, or excuse me adjustable bag rider this year. I don't think it was just KRG and MPA. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's not important. Point is, bravo to them for doing that because I think it's a really good design feature to have in a butt stock in, in modern day shooting with as dynamic as as stages are getting nowadays because well match directors are trying to come up with something new to do, because instead of be the same old ass stages all the time at every match you shoot, they're trying to, you know, mix things up, do things a little bit different and stuff you're gonna have these different you know, incline changes or whatever, or another option or another uh, example is um, if you are just wrong in choosing your bipod height for a certain stage, let's say it's modified prone, you gotta shoot off of some pipes or off of a uh, 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 wire spool or whatever, and you're like, oh fuck, man, my, my, I don't have my legs deployed high enough, well, the other option, well, you can reach up, you can pull your legs down, or the hand that you've got around your rear bag, you can just move it over, twist that knob, and then send your bag rider all the way up, right? To to adjust it all the way up. That way, it then makes the back end of the rifle go down more, ergo negating the need to mess with the bipod legs. You just made your bipod legs longer by shortening up the back end, right? That essentially is what you've done. Um, that's happened to me multiple times. I've had to go like fuck the rear bag and just put my, my hand, my bare hand up underneath it, either into a fist or sometimes even like pinching the bag rider with my, my index finger and thumb and laying my palm flat to the ground just to get literally low enough and yet still maintain, maintain control of my uh, butt stock, right? You don't, you got to maintain control of that. Well, what this adjustable bag rider allows you to do is kind of have a have a happy medium with your bipod legs to where like you can make any real within reason uh incline or decline work with this bipod leg length by then altering the the length or height of your bag rider right it kind of opens up a lot of opens up a lot of stuff um for that possibility so yeah, um, that's man, fucking assholes in a drive. Um, you know, that's just another another intuitive thing, or maybe it just maybe you're really tall, or you're really short, or you're really you you like your little your rear bag, but it's a small rear bag. And there's there's a number of different reasons why a adjustable bag rider like the height is uh, is very very helpful. And I'm happy now that it's going to be on my AI. So, um, but. It's going to be in the works, and the good news is about it is when it's released, um, you can either use the your factory uh, AI uh, folding hinge, because look, AI killed it with the with the hinge. It's the best hinge on a on a chassis ever made, period. Um, but if let's say you didn't have you didn't have a folding buttstock, let's say you had a fixed AT. Or maybe a pre two thousand fourteen AX without a folder or whatever. I don't know if they even made the AXs without folders. But either way, um, you can get the vision folder uh, folding hinge for your rifle. You have a choice because they'll, they'll both they're both interface the same. Um, or you know whatever. It's it's an option, right? Either way, both options are going to be cheaper than the AX buttstock. I mean that's a thousand dollars. Um, this, I don't know, I've got ideas of what we're thinking is going to be that I'm, I'm not uh, at liberty to, to discuss right now or to, you know, say or whatever, but they, it's going to be cheaper than the, uh, the AX buttstock and it'll go to really any AI. If you have, I mean, really, if you have a, uh, an AT, That you don't necessarily want, you're not a comp shooter, you don't necessarily want a new chassis, but you like the idea of maybe doing like, make yours kind of like an an ATLE, which is the AT chassis with the AX folder um, buttstock on it, you have another option. And you have a, a a folding buttstock that's fully adjustable with the adjustable bag rider. It fucking looks tits. I mean, it's a good looking buttstock. Like right? the, the whole Vision chassis is a, a very a, appeasing, a, uh, appealing um, buttstock or chassis. I mean, front to back is very good looking chassis. But everything is kind of thought out, and there's there's something went into every inch of that chassis. And I, don't know, I think it's a home run. If I had, if I was building a custom today, you you better believe that. Ninety-nine percent chance there's gonna it's gonna go into a Vision chassis. If I bought a Terminus or an Impact or a, a Archimedes, it's going in a Vision chassis, and I'm paying for it. So it's uh you know I'm not sponsored by a Vision or 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 GCP, but I I feel that at this juncture you know I've been working with Sam, and then when Sam was started working with with Christian and Rick and then it brought me into the, it's like a, you know, we're, we're like a little team and I, I love being a part of it and, and having my input uh, considered in the design a little bit or what we should do here, this, that, and I, mind you, I've done very little. Sam and Christian are the geniuses. Rick is the guy that just puts it all together and and paints it up, makes it look awesome and gets it here to the US for us to, do. Rick, is, Rick, Rick is the fucking man. Um, so, but you know, I, I just, I like talking about it. I like being a part of it and, and helping out where I can, you know, um, let's see, you know, something else I was gonna go with that. Um, either way, the butt stock is happening. You guys have got, there's, was multiple different options for different shooters and there's, um, there's multiple different places where this butt stock is going to help you Maybe more so than the the AX buttstock, or or you know definitely more than like an AT buttstock, what comes with the AT. Um, but adjust everything's adjustable. The the the, the cheek height, your butt, uh, the butt pad, the the cant of the butt pad, the height of the butt pad, height of the bag rider. Um, is it's just a very very well designed and thought out um, buttstock, and I think. I think it's going to be a big hit. I think they're going to sell more than they're anticipating of those, especially at the price point that they're more likely going to hit. It's just, it's just an awesome option. And you know, the the I, I like the buttstock of of the ATX. I think it's a really cool buttstock. And I like the ASR buttstock, all that stuff. It's a really good looking buttstock. Um, I just I think that there was I think AI had an opportunity to make some really cool innovations where they didn't. I think there was more so like. All right, well, we're wanting to hit a price point to make this somewhat affordable. Um, let's put a little bit less into the butt stock, th- you know, where they could, than where they could, you know. Regardless, I, I get it. If that's what they did to hit a, to hit a dollar point, I, I understand. You know, that's that's, that's manufacturing. I get it. Um, I, I'm just, I'm glad we have options and, and I, I, I'm glad that it took people like, Sam and Christian and uh, Enrique and, and now Greg from Bug Holes, what they're doing for the aftermarket support for Action National Shooters. I've said it before, this is like the best time to be, a, other than ammo and component shortages, other than that, that, this is the best time to be a shooter. The, there's more innovation happening every year now than the last two decades combined um and it's a it's a good time to be alive in the shooting community and even more so now for in in the ai uh community as well you've got options that you never had before whether it be aftermarket or whether it be from from ai with their new stuff they're doing with the atx and all that stuff you didn't have these options you know a few years ago um and it just took the marketplace to to demand it and if like if if AI didn't do it, the the aftermarket damn sure would have, and the aftermarket did, and and now AI is kind of playing catch up a little bit, which um you know it is what it is. It's it's they they their money their their bread is buttered with military contracts. My hats off to them. You know what? They make a better rifle for it. They make an awesome action bullet and it bomb proof. Yeah, it, I hate that term, but it, it is pretty fucking true. I mean it is the most robust bolt action ever created and i'll fucking fight you over it if you disagree like it doesn't matter to me like you can say oh my customs gonna look your your customs are awesome shooting actions they're very accurate they're smooth they're smoother like bolt lift and stuff than my ai i get it but it can't take the abuse that this motherfucker can i know if i if if i was a fucking idiot and wanted to join the what is it the foreign volunteer legion or whatever to go fucking shoot some ruskies and get bombed um in ukraine i'd go with my ai with all the fucking weight second out of it i'd go with my ai and i'm put a night force 735 attacker on top of it i'm going to war with that as far as a bolt action that's what i'm going to war with um because it's it's fucking proven um you know your defiance has not you know been in fucking theater in in war surgeons have surgeons still do um but they have their own shortcomings back to back to the aftermarket support my only request that i have left i have a chassis i'm about to have well, i already do have ar-15 uh grips for the gtac conversion i have which will be for sale soon and so will my ax butt stock if anyone wants to buy one cheap um but i've got a chassis i've got my AR-15 butt, uh, grips, I've got my new butt stock. It's, that's all happened. I have one thing left, Trigger Tech. If you love the Just of podcast at all, please, for the love of fucking all that is good and decent, make a diamond for the AI. And, and keep it with the same design of the AI. Trigger, obviously, like the, the factory trigger, it's robustness and all that stuff, but just do your Trigger Tech magic. And oh my God, if you put a fucking single stage diamond in an AI, like with well, in my rifle, it would be the most fucking ball of shit of all time. Like it's a wrap. Like I would do anything to get. A, I'd pay a thousand dollars for a fucking trigger, for a TriggerTech diamond to go in my AI. So I don't know if anyone from TriggerTech happens to be the an unfortunate soul that listens to this podcast. If you are, do. Do it, just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. I'm telling you, you will not be able to keep them in stock. I mean, you ain't gotta go make a billion of them, but as many as you make, they'd be bought up. I mean, I've got a freaking, uh, the AI competition trigger. I didn't pay 500 for it because it wasn't 500 when I bought them, they went up recently, but they were like three, was it 375 or something like that? i will buy another 500 hundred dollar plus trigger thousand dollars i don't give a shit i'll buy it put the ai tax on top everything for an ai is more expensive fucking do it i'll put the ai tax on top i will buy it and i know a ton of other ai shooters that will as well even non-competition shooters would love to have a lighter trigger single just a single stage trigger i'd be happy with the factory trigger in my Tika. With the Yo Dave trigger spring, I'd be happy with that bitch in my AI. It's at like a pound. I don't want. No, I don't need them to go three ounces or even eight ounces. No, uh, sixteen to fourteen ounces, twelve ounces would be on the little. We're getting close to where I'm. Where I'm stopping. I ain't going no more than no less than twelve. But yeah, I'd be happy with that. You put a fucking trigger tech diamond in that bitch, single stage. Most of the people that bought, I'm gonna say most, maybe most. A large portion, bare minimum, of the people who bought at the uh, the competition trigger for their AI did so because it was told to them that they could be adjusted to become a single-stage trigger. And you can do that, but then they don't function like they're supposed to. So, that's just the way it is. That's why mine is not set up that way. Mine is set up as a two-stage trigger, probably, I don't know, a... 14 ounces first stage and probably equally the same second stage maybe I don't know so what's that 28 ounces total I don't know um, it's not super light but it mines reliable but I like it I'd like a single stage I really would I like a good single stage I mean to me that the diamond is the is the the gold standard for single stage trigger them are Bix and Andes hey Bix and Andy, if any of you Bamas are listening to this shit you do it. Make a tax sport pro single stage for an AI. Both you companies can do it. Y'all have got the ability to. You are you are not taking part of an untapped market with the uh, aftermarket AI triggers. Now, again, we go back to that scenario that I'm an idiot and going to Ukraine to shoot some uh, vodka sippers. Then I'm putting the factory the. The, the original AI trigger and I'm taking that comp trigger out and the original factor trigger is going in because that bitch is bomb proof. Like that shit don't fucking fail, period. Um, it just doesn't fail. Um, but I ain't going over there. I'm trying to shoot matches and shit. I'm trying to do gangster shit uh, in matches. So I, I would love that. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? This would be the year that everything was made right in the shooting world if someone made a trigger tech or a, a Bix and Andy, single stage trigger for an AI. I'm done, I'm done talking about it, I'm done. So I don't even know if I even hit any, everything that I hit in the first one. The first one was a fucking kick ass, kick ass recording and it just got dickered up. But hey, such is life. Um, Got some more podcasts coming. I know uh, uh, I'm gonna get Andy on still, I gotta get Dan from Two Vets back on. Uh as soon as I get my rifle fully put back together, I'm gonna have um and maybe after I shoot it and maybe shoot a match with it or whatever, I'm gonna get Sam, Christian, and Rick back on the podcast, uh talk about what's coming next, what's new, what's being thought about, what's being talked about, uh, and just whatever, all the shenanigans. Um I'm gonna have them back on. Um so I'm trying to think of somebody else that I was wanting to get on. Uh, I think the PRS uh UK guys still want to come on. I haven't heard from in a while. Um, anyway, thanks for the podcast downloads. Thanks for the comments. Still got the, the, the um, still got the giveaway going. Share something from the podcast, like the link to the podcast on your social media. Say some words. Uh, screenshot it. Email it to justfnsenditpc at gmail.com. In yourself in to win. Um, and uh, anyway, as always, thanks, guys. Catch you on the flip.